Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Got a lot of people in the chat already, so what's up to everybody out there? Hopefully the rest of the crew gets in here shortly. 2 p.m. live show edition of the show today. It is a Thursday. Uh, We've been doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but we figured this would make sense with South Carolina head football coach Shane Beamer speaking to the media actually just finished up maybe 15 minutes or so ago. So uh, we are going to dive into that pretty much – throughout this show, and, of course, take a little bit of your questions if we have time. Uh, Before we get into Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks, and what's coming up with spring football, I want to remind everybody that we are, of course, brought to you by our presenting sponsor. He is Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network. Check Clint out, clinthammond.com, as you see right above my head pretty much every single day that we do the show. Give him a call, 803-771-6933. Clint, uh, not only a good friend of mine, but um, I've done business with Clint. Several of my friends have done business with Clint, and uh, if you're looking for a uh, just seamless process, 
find you that you know you want to find the best interest rate, want to get a good deal, give Clint a shout and he will help you out. Whether it is a first time home buyer or you're an experienced veteran investor, so of course always want to thank Clint and want to thank you everybody else out there for joining us. Whether that is on YouTube, Facebook, the Twitter, or on every single podcast platform that exists on the planet, I think. So, uh, Chris, Shane Beamer, talking earlier today. Um, these press conferences are a little—they're a little bit longer than um, than Will Muschamp's were in the past. I believe they're going to be a little bit more open. We talked a little bit about sort of the media policy moving forward as far as the number of players that are going to be available to talk. Um, the, the coaches are certainly going to be a little more available, though. Um, you know, we're not going to rewrite history. In the spring, the assistant coaches have typically been available. But I do think moving forward, we will see that uh, the program will be a little bit more in the uh, public light as far as the fans trying to get a feel for, for the coaches, trying to get a feel for the players and, and sort of having those guys available. Um, but then dude, I gotta say, I'm pretty excited. Yes, this was a little appetizer today, but Saturday morning, it'll just be probably 15 or 20 minutes. But for the first time in over a year, you and I will be out there watching a little bit of South Carolina's practice on Saturday. And then we will be bringing that to the people so that we can overanalyze every single little snippet of who runs out there first who runs out there second, who the third string snapper is. And uh, I'm excited to just overanalyze some stuff this weekend. Yeah, man, it, it is good. I mean, to, to have anything to analyze or overanalyze is, is definitely a positive. So excited about that. The Shane Beamer spoiled the first snap of the quarterback, if if we even see any snaps of quarterback. We, we may not see any of that. Uh, I don't really – I'm not banking on that, but uh, he said that would be Luke Doty, and then they would see how the rest of the spring plays out. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, having an opportunity to go out there and, and see whatever periods we get to see, I think one of the things, just biggest thing on day one for us, man, is probably just going to be eyeballing some guys, seeing what some of the newcomers look like from a physical standpoint, seeing what some of the uh, returners look like from a physical standpoint. Shane Beamer mentioned today that, you know, a lot of the guys looked bigger, faster, stronger than they were when he took the job, you know, and, and which is to be expected. I mean, they, they have been full go in workouts. So there haven't been any COVID interruptions like we've seen, like we saw last year where, where players across college football missed a lot of workout time. So good to go from that standpoint. So there'll, there'll be some physical changes and some things to track. And then just it, do we get any semblance of who's out there first in certain situations? It may be that we see the guys stretch, and then we see the kickers a lot, and we see quarterbacks thrown into a net. We really don't know. Um, but even that, to me, is exciting just to, to see, you know, what we're going to have an opportunity to see on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, Chris, I used to not really be a notepad guy when I was younger, and I remembered everything, um, and I had great short-term memory. Um, I'm not really that old, but literally the older you get, I feel like your short-term memory uh, starts to sort of uh, – not uh, not do as well. So when when you have fifteen or twenty minutes, you got to be out there. You got to have the notepad. You got to jot down every single thing you see because it happens quick. And then they're like, "Hey, get the heck out! You can't be here anymore because we're going to do some real football stuff." But I, I tend to think that um, you know, man. So 
Does it even matter who lines up first at this point based on based on what Beamer said? Um, it kind of, you know, basically if, if you have some experience, it's not like if you are a returning starter, unless there's some reason, you know, you've done something off <laughs> that um, you're probably the first guy out there because it's, it's a clean slate. Everybody starts fresh. Now, you know, I, I think we're getting we're getting some looks later on in practice. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but we're going to see several several first fifteen minutes of practices um, by the time this thing is over. So, who runs out there if we even see it? Who runs out there a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now? That may actually be somewhat newsworthy, Chris, because you're starting to see the results of what they are doing in practice, what they're doing in the meeting rooms what they're doing as far as um, everything they're being asked of from coaching staff, those things are starting to actually be experienced and observed by the coaching staff, and then it's resulting in who plays where. So, you know, I, I think, who, you know, who, who runs out there right off the bat, probably just a matter of, you know, Luke Doty. I mean, he said it. Luke Doty is the only quarterback in that room that has started a game um, at South Carolina. So I imagine across the board, if you were a starter last year, chances are you got a chance to run out there first. But then from that moment forward, it's all about competition. It's all about who plays well. It's all about who does what is expected of them from this coaching staff. And, you know, I'm I, I'm excited. I, I doubt we'll really get to see the quarterbacks throw it around. That's uh, – and I, I'm not going to complain because I was about to say I, re- I really wish this was like a Spurrier practice because I would love to just watch Doty and Jason Brown, you know, throw for two hours and, and compare them and see, you know, see how it looks for myself. But I'm uh, to me, it's not it's not a time to complain. It's a time to be appreciative. We're going to get out there for a little bit. We haven't been able to get out there um, at all in the last year. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to sort of see what direction a lot of these positions go. And, and like you said, man, just putting eyeballs on someone, I can already I can already write one sentence that every single person that does observations for the practices from the media on Saturday will say within the first, I will say within the first three to four observations for every single media person, one of them will be, dang, that EJ Jenkins is huge. That guy is massive. He is a massive human being. So um, that that's going to be that's going to happen. I'm going to predict the future on that, but I'm excited to actually go visually see that for myself. Um, how 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 big is Amarian Brown? You know, who's more of like a slot guy? Is he does he look tiny when you get out there? Or are you like, oh, this guy's bigger than I thought? Um, any of the newcomers, you know, a, a Jordan Strong. I'm not saying you can tell anything from day one. Chris, but sometimes you you can make an you know a, an observation pretty quickly of okay this guy looks sort of like a pass rush specialist versus a traditional what we think of as being an SEC every single down edge defensive end you know defensive lineman so I'm uh, it, is it are we going to overanalyze it absolutely that's what we do but. Are there certain things we maybe can start to glean from what we see on Saturday and what we see throughout the spring? Absolutely as well. 
Yeah, and I think when you're thinking about position groups and who rolls out there first, I think uh, maybe the most interesting one to me is receiver because South Carolina has several receivers on the roster that have, you know, if the bar is sort of they started a game or played a game, they they got several of those guys that fit the bill, right? But they also have some guys like Amari and Brown, like EJ Jenkins at certain spots that have played and played well at a different school, right? So, you know, the the common thing among all these guys is that um, all guys on offense, you're just sticking with that side of the ball right now, well, really, and defense and special teams, none of these guys have played in any of these schemes yet. That This will be the first practice in any scheme for any player. Um, but you do have some guys like Amari and Brown, like Jenkins, you know, strong defensively, you know, David Spalding defensively, Debo Williams. You got some guys who – Debo Williams hasn't played, but there you got some guys that have played and played well at other spots. So do, you know, when you're looking at the receiver group, does an or Trey Smith and, and, you know, your Drake Davis and Josh Van, those types, do those guys, do they roll out there first? And then you see how it goes. Does Mario Brown roll out there first? Cause he's played well at Georgia tech. I think that'll be interesting. I think there will be a good amount of competition at the receiver position and what's going to be good for South Carolina is if pretty quickly a few guys, a core group of guys, really separates because that's a spot where they obviously really, really need some production. And and Shane Beamer hit on receivers today. I mean, that that's one I'm really going to be watching closely to see how much they can squeeze out of it. And he seems to be, at least publicly, um, you know, he he's talked about how they feel like they've got a group with some athleticism and some talent and that he feels like Justin Stepp's going to be able to get some more out of this group. But it is still a question mark. I mean, those are the two. Wide receiver and DB, that's the two positions, in my view, where you go into the spring with the most questions. And we'll see how many of those can can get answered throughout the spring as we progress here. Well, you know, Beamer, again, and I, I think um, Beamer is going to be positive. It's going to be part of it. Um, yeah. He's going to build his guys up. That was, you know, I, I tweeted this out. I was trying. I'm, I'm not a big, let's tweet every single thing that Beamer says in the press conference while the rest of the media tweets out the same stuff um, for the entire press conference. I'm not big into that, but I, I did try to sort of grab a, a few things that I thought were interesting, maybe even add a little context to it. But uh, Beamer said, uh, some, you know, he's listening the core values of his program. He said, love, that's something we've seen with Luke Day sort of push, uh, you know, push a lot. Love your brothers, love the people around you, uh, but love, gratitude, positivity. So I, I think we have to take that into account. He's going to be, uh, he's going to build guys up as opposed to tear them down, I think. Um, and then for those curious, uh, trust, toughness, accountability, and competition are the other core values that he mentioned. But um, he, he was positive about the wide receivers, but it to me it sounded sincere because he said, look, and this is something we've talked about, Chris, there, there is a large number of guys in that receiver room. Um, now, ha- has the position as a, as a whole, you know, I'm, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but has the position as a whole performed the way it needed to, we'll just say it like that, for an SEC, for a successful SEC offense last year? No, it, it didn't. I don't, you know, nobody's going to argue against that. Yeah. But are there some options there? You know, Beamer was even talking about when they, they actually were able to, to get out there for a, a bowl practice before everything got shut down last year. He was like, you know, the, these are some big athletic-looking dudes. And 
you know, South Carolina does have some size at that position. Um, in my opinion, they have needed to add more speed. Um, I think across the roster, it's maybe a little more obvious at a position like receiver or DB. But, you know, I think a guy like Amarian Brown can, can maybe provide that. So, I, uh, you know, I, I think you look and you say question marks abound at wide receiver, and that's fair. Mm-hmm. But you start to look at all the guys on there, and you you do say, well, if, you know, if a couple of these guys sort of come into their own, um, you, you, you sort of have a lot of different options where some of them, if you want to categorize it, Chris, it's like, okay, you do, you know, you have some Josh fans, you know, some guys that have been there for a long time, but it just hasn't necessarily worked out to this point. You have some newcomers that are transfers that are a little bit older, but, um, you know, have some, some nice ability, you know, Amari and Brown, we'll see how EJ Jenkins fits in on the offense uh, as a whole. But, uh, then you go down. I, I think you look at some of these guys that were freshmen last year, um, you know, a Rico powers, a Jakari Caldwell, um, you know, then you have the, the COVID opt-ins now and Ortre Smith, Randricus Davis, uh, who's, I guess, trying to break the record for, for being here the most years, it, it feels like. But um, that's a guy, before all the injuries, it's a four-star prospect. So, you know, that I think we can sit here and try to pinpoint which, you know, which category to pull from, who's going to step up, who's – and who, you know, frankly, some of the guys won't, won't be able to step up. That, that's sort of how it goes. Um, but there are a lot of guys to work with. And uh, Beamer calling Justin Stepp the uh, the best receivers coach in the country to work with those guys. And um, I, I'm with you, man. I, I would love – I don't know if we'll get this information or not. We're going to try. I would love to know who's the first three up and who's the next three up um, on March 20th. And then who's the first three up and the next three up you know, three weeks from now, because I think it'll be very interesting. Yeah, and I think at the beginning, at least of spring, it's pretty open-ended question. I mean, they're, they're just – even this coaching staff, I imagine if we went and had, you know, somebody could go have a closed-door meeting and say, okay, what you really think, you know, let's, let's take press conference out of it. My, my estimation would be a lot of we just don't know, you know. Um, that There are some guys that we've heard, um, you know, have looked like different players – from a physical standpoint and maybe even a speed standpoint and a confidence standpoint right now, whether it's a receiver or maybe other spots, the key question is, does that translate to the field? That's always the key question, no matter who's the coach, which team it is, what year it is, it's always got to translate. But um, for some guys just to be healthy, to have a fresh start, maybe that helps them. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to, we'll just have to see how it plays out. I think, like you said, man, this is not a question of, there's just not numbers. There's numbers at the receiver position, but it's just about finding some guys you can separate and be good. And, and look, make no mistake, we're not saying, at least I'm not, I know we're on the same page with this, Wes, this isn't going to be an elite receiver group this year. They, they do have to continue recruiting well. They've got to add speed. They've got to add skill. We know that. They've got to solve that. But right now, this is their team. They've added some some transfer guys who can help there. They've got some guys on this roster who do have more talent 
than what has been shown so far in production. I, I don't think that's even in dispute. Um, does that mean it's an elite group, even, even if everybody lived up to their potential? No. Um, but this is a group that needs to be solid this year. It needs to be a solid group. So can they get there? I think that's uh, that's the key question throughout the spring, and this will be a big, you know, month or so for these guys to to get out there and, and try to improve on the field. What's up to uh, Mark Smith? That's our uh, buddy from Gamecock Central, the Insiders Forum. Insiders Forum, I should say. He is Grandpa Smitty on TIF. Um, what's up, Mark? Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Chris, you know, I, I think you know, and we we've gone through a lot of the position groups sort of already, not not in like a structured standpoint, but we've talked about most of these positions. But I, I do think, and I was trying to jot down uh, some stuff Beamer said today just that stood out to me a little bit. Most of it, I would say, stuff we either have already talked about or already sort of sort of have known, but uh, not completely. And first of all, I thought his comments on on Marshawn Lloyd were, were at least interesting. I've got a quick story up on Gamecock Central right now. It's a free story, so even if you're not a subscriber, you uh, don't have to be one to read it. But he, you know, Beamer did not rule out the possibility of Lloyd being able to get some reps in the spring game. You know, now, now he didn't say it was definitely going to happen. He just didn't rule it out. He said it's over a month from now. Basically, we'll see. But I, I thought this was interesting, Chris. We we talked about and we reported pretty much, I would say, I think within a week of Marshawn Lloyd being on campus, hey, this guy is different. Um, this guy is built different from a work ethic standpoint, from just the – uh, ability to dial himself in. This is one of those elite professional type athletes, but at the college level in the way they carry themselves as far as being dialed in every single day. But Beamer sort of took it a, a step farther today, which I thought was interesting. And um, they they track everything. So while it's been obvious to everyone that this is one of those guys that, that is just completely locked in. They have been able to sort of put it into, they've been able to quantify it with, and I would actually love, hopefully at some point, I think this would make a great story or a great post on Gamecock Central. I would love to find out the various um, inputs that go into this score, this overall score that they get each week. But Beamer did go into a little bit of what it means and he said that – let's see, let me find the quote – that Lloyd has been fantastic this offseason. He said, I was just telling him a couple of days ago how impressed I am with him. We track everything here, as every program does, but just giving our guys a score each week of taking care of their business, not just in this building but outside of this building. Marshawn Lloyd is right up there at the very top of our team as far as accountability goes and being everywhere that he's supposed to be when he is supposed to be there, whether it's meetings, walkthroughs, class, treatment, nutrition, he's doing everything right right now. Um, Beamer went on to say he's on track. He's doing everything, not doing everything, but he's out there in a limited capacity with everything else they've done. I've seen videos of him running. Um, I've seen a video he posted on Instagram of him doing a sled push, which you're not doing a sled push with that much weight on it if your knee is not in pretty good shape at this point, frankly. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, 
I, it was kind of cool to me, though, uh, sort of trying to glean stuff from this press conference. We knew the kid was all those things, but the fact that it is being tracked and that from a you can from a quantitative standpoint say he's up here top of the leaderboard within the entire team as far as um, all these different metrics go. Yeah, and and that's not really surprising, right? As far as like the things about the anything that with work ethic tracking, I mean, Marshawn Lloyd's going to be there. And you remember, you know, another example that that Shane Beamer gave um, at one media opportunity not too long ago was basically just saying, "Hey, I, I came in one morning super early, first in the building, and, and Marshawn and, and Debo Williams are over there working out, you know." Um, and so. You know, obviously that that shows he's going to put in the extra work. We knew that. I mean, this is a kid who's always, you know, carried himself with a lot of not not arrogance, confidence, and and pride, really, and not in a bad way. I mean, he, he's proud about where he's come from. He knows about work. I mean, his he he commuted every day from Delaware to Dematha Catholic in Maryland. I think it was what a couple hours uh, that his mom took him there. I mean, just. Work ethic is crazy on the kid, and obviously he's going to be one of those guys with his athleticism. He's going to score very highly on those things too. And hopefully, regardless of how much he does this spring in the way of contact or, or live sort of reps, Wes, maybe we'll get to see some more Marshawn Lloyd you know, footwork drills. Maybe I can break my record for most viewed video. My greatest, Wes, achievement in my career Filming Marshawn Lloyd going through a ladder drill or something for about seven seconds. Approximately yeah. 20 million yeah. views. Best thing ever. So, anyway, uh, hopefully we'll see more of that this spring. And But if, if he's – like you said, he's been doing a lot of those different things, um, you know, pushing sleds and running around. He, he's, he seems to be doing really, really well with his rehab. Yeah, and, and like you said, you're, I don't how, – how many views did your video get on Twitter – which, I'll have to go back and look. Let, let me effort that real quick. Yeah, if, if y'all heard a noise, and I'm, I'm kind of scared to open this back up on my phone. I was trying to go to TikTok um, and just whatever pop – God knows what's going to pop up on TikTok. But um, I uh, – so I posted well after – like it wasn't – it didn't just happen. It was like way later on. I posted your Marshawn Lloyd five-second thing – on TikTok, which we have a Gamecock Central TikTok technically, but I just realized I had way better things to do in my time than than actually use it to post stuff. But I, I posted a few videos um, at, at one point, and it goes to show you, man, we could write the best story of all time, literally the best sports story of all time, and no one would read it compared to a – I mean, I don't even know if it was seven seconds. I think it was like five seconds. <laughs> a five-second clip of Marshawn Lloyd running through a uh, – I mean, it's a drill at practice um, where they, they're running through these, like, metal things to keep – to make you get lower as a running back. So, um, do you have that answer, Chris? Yeah, I got the answer. So, uh, the, the actual tweet was seen – 243,000 over times, and the, the media was viewed, which that's, you know, autoplay or click, 124,000 times on Twitter only. And that doesn't even count the number of people that stole that video and posted it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, 
it's stolen. It's all good. And uh, but I'm just saying that doesn't count right. Remotely. Right. We, we missed out on some views. And yeah. that, so when I posted it on TikTok later, three hundred and forty thousand views watches on on TikTok, which of a five second clip. Um, so anyway, dude is fast. He is very quick. His yeah. feet are very quick. Um, and I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get out there and 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 actually see him. I, I think the fans are excited to to actually see him run after hearing, you know, following his recruitment, hearing him, hearing about him, hearing that he stuck with South Carolina, um, and then hearing that he was going to be the focus of the running game going into last year. Then you hear he's he's hurt and can't play. Uh, you know, we obviously felt awful for Marshawn Lloyd at that time, but I'm, I think I speak for everybody and saying we're, you know, we're all excited to check him out and, and actually see him in person and see him at the college level and, and should really form uh, one of the better duos South Carolina has had at the running back position. I think when you throw in uh, a returning thousand yard rusher in Kevin Harris. Uh, so let, let's go into some other things, Chris, something else I wrote down um, that seen and also tweeted it. It seems like a obvious thing, but it's something we have talked about here on the show. It is something that um, has been made apparent to us by other people we've talked to. And Beamer said, I quote, we've got to be a program that develops these guys. And, you know, what, what Beamer means by that, and every program has to have development of players. But, you know, something we talked about was, a, how key it was going to be for South Carolina to have a great offseason developing these kids physically. Um, there are some guys on this team, y'all, that can help this program if they can get that physical development, um, not just on the field, but the, the off the field, the training room, the physical type stuff. Um, somebody brought up a guy, Vershawn Lee. Not anyone the fans are really talking about. Not anyone that's gotten a lot of the limelight at all. But this kid um, is athletic. He has a lot of the skill set you would look for to be a very successful SEC offensive tackle. He just has to develop. And for South Carolina to get to the point that they want to be, that this fan base listening wants to be, you're not just, at at this point, you're not just going to be able to bring in a Jadavian Clowney. You're not just going to be able to bring in a, a Jordan Birch. You know, it, it's got to be, it's got to be a combination. Shane Beamer mentioned guys like Devin Taylor, guys like Patrick DeMarco. For every Clowney South Carolina gets, not even a Clowney, let's just say blue chip type recruit. Clowney's like one in 20 years or something. But for every blue chip cr- recruit, you have to also be able to go out there and get a guy like Devin Taylor that has the upside, that has the potential. So it's an evaluation thing as well, but it's a development thing too. South Carolina right now is not going to just out recruit top five, you know, classes, bring in elite talent every single year. It's got to be a combination of these two things. And I I think that was Beamer's point when he says that every coach is going to say, Oh, we've got to develop guys. That's obvious. But here, especially, it is a major, major key. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's funny that came up with Devin Taylor because I, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody, you know, about some of those teams in the past with South Carolina and people who weren't involved at all with South Carolina at the time. 
And, you know, obviously we're talking about, you think of, say, the 2012 Gamecock team, again, broken record. I consider that the best team. And they had a bunch of studs, you know, all phases of the game on that squad. And, you know, you look at the, the probably the main thing you think about when you think about the defense there, you think about the front, you think about that front four, really, and how deep it was, how talented it was. And so, yeah, they had Jadavion Clowney. That's a game changer. If it was Clowney and three very average guys beside him, that would have been a really good defensive line. But when you compare a talent like Clowney or like a, a Jordan Birch, who I'm, again, I'm not comparing to Clowney. Nobody's Clowney. But if Jordan Birch could develop, he could be an NFL-type guy. Well, look at some of the other guys that were on that roster beside Clowney. It was guys that South Carolina just made really good evaluations on. Devin Taylor's one. I mean, conversation I referenced a minute ago, basically what I got was, yeah, Brad Lawing did a great job of going and, and finding Devin Taylor. Shane Beamer was involved you know, back in the day with Devin Taylor during his recruitment. But you had Devin Taylor. You had Byron Gerardo, who was a kid from, from Walterboro who went to junior college, wanted badly to play for South Carolina, got the chance, did it. Kelsey Quarles was a, a four-star. But then you had JT Surratt, who was a two-star. You had, you know, Gerald Dixon Jr. You had Aldrick Fordham, who was, you know, a three-star guy. So, you know, there were were a lot of guys who were just thought of as solid recruits or under-the-radar recruits who really developed well during that time. And and even you think about, you know, before that, Melvin Ingram, you know, was a four-star player. A lot of guys who saw Melvin play in high school knew that he was a freak. But it's not like he was a five-star. It's not like he had an absolute who's who of offers. And a lot of people thought, as he started his career at South Carolina at this position, he was a linebacker and almost didn't work out in, in a lot of forms. And so um, he bought – He they moved him to D-line. He bought in, became a first-round pick, still playing in the NFL. So you're right. You, you've got to pair getting those no-brainer type recruits with really good evaluations. So – you made this point before, and it was sort of echoed today by Beamer, that, that the player development, especially at the beginning of, of the tenure of Shane Beamer, is going to be critical. And that means squeezing the most out of the players that they do have. They do have some players on this team that are more talented and have the capability to be more productive than they have been. There's a lot of reasons that go into that. Can't put a blanket statement on why that's been, because for, for several different guys, it's been several different reasons. Um, But just being able to turn those guys around, have some guys that haven't done much so far contribute, whether it's just by providing competition or actually going and making plays on the field, that's going to be critical for this team in the early going. Yeah, and Chris, you want guys that as they finish their careers um, look bigger, look faster, look look like they have more definition uh, from a muscular standpoint than they did when they arrived, right? Like you you are going to have – you're always going to – you hope you can always get some some difference makers, some three and done, some NFL caliber guys. But right. to me, you also have to build your program around the kids that that stay for four or five years that are sort of the uh, the depth and the heart and the meat of your, your lineup or your roster. And – um you know, are guys that, that ultimately maybe they come in, maybe they don't play right away, but they stick it out, they develop, and they leave 
and you and it's almost a thing you just know it when you see it, right? Like it's sometimes it's even hard to put into words, but you say, man, that guy has gotten better in every facet during his time at, at a program. And, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. Beamer was asked, you know, basically very open-ended, hey, how do you feel like your coaches are at, at develop? How do you feel like they'll be at developing? And he's like, they, they better be good. And uh, I mean, that, that sort of tell, I mean, that, that says it all. Um, in my opinion. So, yeah, interesting stuff. It seems like there was one other thing I wanted to hit on that I thought was interesting before we dive into some questions. Um, oh, okay, and by the way, speaking of former Gamecocks, uh, let's see. I wanted to – y'all have probably seen this by now, but if not, um, Ryan Suckup re-signing with the Bucks. I believe this re- was released yesterday on Wednesday – uh, or was reported yesterday, a three-year deal worth 12 mil with 6.25 million guaranteed. He gets 8.25 mil over the first two years of that deal. And then according to several reports from these NFL guys, uh, one of them being Adam Scheffner with ESPN, Jerry Cook, former Gamecock tight end, who has managed to stay in the league for what, I guess a decade now or so, uh, he gets a one-year deal with the Chargers worth six million dollars. So there, I mean, there are some. There are the obvious guys, Chris, that that were on these South Carolina teams that we knew were were amazing talents. Then there's been some other guys that probably even get overlooked that have managed to get to the league and have managed to stay in the league and um, obviously suck up. You know, we all know his a great story. Him getting a, a Super Bowl ring this past season. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, Jared Cook, man, that's another example. And I mean, it's a long time ago, obviously, but Jared Cook came in. I remember the story being, look, this guy is an insanely good athlete. So I don't want to make it sound like this guy wasn't athletic and they just pulled it out of him. You know, Everybody that ever talked about Jared Cook was like, this guy is a freakazoid athlete. But he came in very raw. He came in, he was playing wide receiver at first, what I remember, and I believe there was maybe some, is he a receiver, is he a tight end, he goes back and forth, is he, you know, what What actually is he? Finally settled in, played tight end, obviously, latter, in the latter part of his career at South Carolina as he got a little bit bigger. Unfortunately, fans still remember, as J.E. points out, <laughs> fans still remember him for that drop. Um, but... It, it, that's that's one drop in his career. Obviously, you know, I'm sure he had a few other ones, but I mean, the, the guy is very, very talented, clearly, but South Carolina developed him and, and put him in a position to go to the league. Yeah, I was just looking up an old story on Jared Cook, which, you know, he, the thing that's odd about Jared Cook, rivals actually, you got to give him some credit, their ranking. You know, he's ranked a five, seven, three star. So that's right on the cusp of four star status, a little bit higher, one more sort of sub point higher, and he'd be a four-star. Didn't have a huge offer list. You know, actually, Ohio State had offered uh, Mississippi State, Missouri, Tulane, and I was reading an older story about Cook looking up some stuff, and Shane Beamer was actually recruiting Jared Cook while as an assistant at Mississippi State. So did not – obviously didn't get Jared Cook. They were in the mix heavily. But a guy that, you know, from North Gwinnett High, right there in Atlanta, he was 6'5". He's about 200 pounds out of high school, but – uh, really athletic. I mean, he was, he was, you know, four six, 
in the 40 and like a 35 inch vertical jump. So a really, really, you know, athletic kid and obviously developed. And I mean, there are several examples of guys who you were like, you knew that they were good in college, like they were good players and they definitely had NFL potential, but maybe stayed even longer in the league than you anticipated. So Jared Cook, maybe that's one of those guys, Wes, and, you know, a couple of DBs that come to mind, like Jonathan Joseph, his his career length in the NFL. Had one year at South Carolina, knew he was good from high school, junior college, knew he was good at South Carolina. Really stayed around a long time. Dante Robinson, that was another one. Long NFL career, right? So there's several of those guys. J.E., there's no – is that story true? Like, are you messing with us? I can't tell if he's messing with us or not. Um, let's see. John Wilson. Oh, yeah, I got you. <laughs> John Wilson says, uh, do we prefer wide receivers or tight ends? Um, and what context? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a wide receiver guy, honestly, but – I will say this, by the way, if, if y'all enjoy watching like film uh, of players South Carolina's recruiting, go watch Mac Markway um, from St. Louis. He is Kyle Markway's cousin. Have you watched this film yet, Chris? Yes, yes, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, this this dude is an old school tight end yeah. when it comes to hitting people. I mean, it is like it, they they only played four games, I think uh, maybe or it's four games of highlights. And it is three minutes. Uh, you know, there's some him catching passes in there, but it's it's about three full minutes of him just knocking the crap out of people. So it, it, it's a good view. Um, it's, it's a very sorry. I, I can't do two things at once. I, I get tickled by the uh, the chat while I'm trying to talk. But uh, yeah, go check out Mac Markway. Uh, we'll see if the Gamecocks can can land him and, and get in position. I, I think they'll. I, I like to steal Chris's phrases. This is one of his fairly new ones, I think. Uh, they'll have a seat at the table for um, for Markway. Like they'll be in it, I think. But we'll see. It's a dude that this kid has a heck of an offer list too. So the the fight is going to be a big one for um, for former GC Live host or or guest, I should say, Eric Kimry. Um, but we'll see what, what can happen there. But man, I'm I'm a big fan of Mark of Mac Markway. Yeah, old throwback football player. So it, it seemed like there it was just gonna be a matter of time before South Carolina, you know, threw its hat in the ring there. So in there, like you said, Wes, sort of a little bit of a troll making fun of me a little bit with my phrasing. I'll I'll have to break out a new one. Now I have two now that I probably need to shelve for overuse. So I'm gonna think of some new ones. No, I'm, not, I'm not even trolling you on try that. To come up, yeah. Try to come up with some new ones, but but no, I mean I, I think they will be in the mix. You know the the family tie obviously with with Kyle Markway. You know will help Kyle Markway. That'd be a good GC live guest. Maybe we maybe, can maybe we can make that happen. Make that happen. Maybe we can watch some uh, Mac Markway highlights and have him sort of dissect the highlights with what he's seeing and, and look back mm. on his career. That'd be a pretty good idea. Let's let's try to do that. Yeah. Effort that. Um, yeah, dude. So one other thing that, that caught my attention, and, and be thinking if you have anything that you think we haven't hit, but was a little bit of this press conference to me was directed at any recruits who may happen to have just rolled across it, in my opinion. 
And that's one thing certain – I would say I've always thought a certain other coach in this state has treated his press conferences like um, a chance to to present his program to recruits that, that might be listening. And, you know, I, I think that was some of what Beamer was talking about. And he was asked about the opportunity to maybe host guys, guys being prospects in June. That's something we talked about quite a bit. He confirmed what was already pretty clear is that South Carolina is moving forward with planning to bring prospects in on June because if you can't just wait until that's completely clear, you had to go ahead and start start planning for that. Now from some reporting and even some stuff, I think the NCAA has put out, they're talking about it, but every single program that I've sort of read about or that you know we know people involved with has sort of said, hey, we're getting ready for June visits. But uh, there was, A, he confirmed something else we've been saying for months. You can't get a feel for this program over Zoom. Uh, Beamer talked about that, put it in his own words. But he also, there was a certain excitement, a very genuine excitement from Beamer when he talked about bringing these guys in and letting them see the facility, letting them see the program, and – to me, it almost felt like he was talking directly at them. Yeah, and, and look, the, the virtual visits, I mean, that, those are cool as sort of a bridge the gap type of thing. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to get on a screen and talk to people, meet coaches. It gives you a chance to familiarize yourself with, you know, from, from afar, how, how a school does things and maybe look at the campus, the buildings, the facilities. But at the end of the day, there's no substitute for being somewhere in person and being able to experience, being able to be around some of the players on the team and, and hear feedback from them. Those are the things that's going to be critical for South Carolina in recruiting. Again, we, we've outlined all the reasons, and and one of them is just the in-person factor. But for South Carolina especially, this is, again, this is a, te- a program that has won six games in the past two seasons. It's a program that does not have – the trophy case logo tradition on the field of some of these other schools. So, you know, your Georgias and Alabamas, they can recruit a little bit more effectively over Zoom, although those guys are itching to open back up too. It's even more important for South Carolina. And so um, you're right. uh, Some schools have already started scheduling official visits for June, releasing camp dates even. I saw UCF do in anticipation of this. And Wes, we know of at least two prospects um, that – with South Carolina have dates booked provided that things do officially open up for on-campus visits. We know of an offensive lineman and a a DB that that have scheduled trips to South Carolina and there'll be more. There'll certainly be more, whether it's unofficials officials and we'll see what camps look like um, on campus and another opportunity for South Carolina to work some guys out. I think this summer will be critical with the quarterback position as we've discussed. So a really big, you know, next few weeks and leading into the summer for this program, not only spring practice, but then going into the summer when, when recruiting reopens. Got another question here from Patrick. He said, uh, Wes and Chris, do you think we're practice uh, actually tackling people to the ground as far as tackling is concerned when they put the pads on during practice? Um, that's a good question. I don't know, Chris, that has Beamer really talked philosophically about that that part of his approach to practice doesn't seem so. Um, now I will say this: uh, Spurrier, who obviously was one of Beamer's mentors, not the only one clearly, 
he, I, Chris, I, I think Spurrier was sort of ahead of his time a little bit on the whole idea of we're not getting guys hurt in practice. Now, did it still happen sometimes? Of course. But that that was Spurrier used to hate, like despise, if a guy got hurt in practice. And, you know, he talked about that even, even more since his retirement. I can't remember which guy he was talking to. It might have been Josh Kendall. Um, he was talking about later in his, you know, in his career at South Carolina, you know, he had guys hitting guys in practice, like when they shouldn't have been and, and people getting hurt. And, you know, he, he just, he despised that idea of, of guys getting hurt. And so you've seen gradually a lot of programs, you know, the, the NFL, like never tackles to the ground in practice, it seems like. So um, my guess, you know, Beamer was even asked, what are your goals for spring practice? I think that was by Colin Taylor. And he said, I think it was the first thing out of his mouth, Chris. We don't want to get guys hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of tackling to the ground. Now, scrimmage situations, absolutely. Will there, will, will there be times that you have to get physical? Of course. But you can get physical. You can hit without – trying to without hurting guys knees and ankles and stuff like that. So that that's a complete sort of um, is a guess, but based on the information there, uh, you know, we'll see. I think that would be a good question for Shane Beamer. Um, you know, maybe next time he talks, what, what does he feel like that philosophically? But the fact that everybody has sort of gone away from, from tackling to the ground a ton and that, that Beamer said not getting people hurt is priority number one leads me to believe um, that will be a priority just not to, to let guys tackle to the ground. Yeah, and, and um, I, I don't want people to construe this as, as an excuse. Uh, I'm saying this is across college football, every program. You know, it is harder to tackle physically nowadays. You, you have to always be – not only are, are offenses harder to you know, just to guard, to cover people in space – because of the rules, because of how skilled offenses have become schematically playing in space. But also, you know, now the game is a little less physical in terms of what's allowed. So you constantly have to be worried about what, where's the crown of my helmet? Where, you know, you have to worry about those types of things. And then, you know, as, as the game has progressed, there has been a lot more emphasis on player safety, which has included, you know, not only head injuries, but just what you do in practice. And that is just the way the game has moved, you know. And so um, I think that that does make it a little bit more difficult because a lot of people talk about old school football and tackling and fundamentals. You do want to be fundamentally sound. I think the best way, the best way, Wes, to be adept at tackling is to be really good up front so you can just wreak havoc and to have a lot of just big, strong, fast guys. I mean, that, that's – that's what it comes down to. You got to recruit those guys, and you're generally going to be better at it than than not. So, um, you know, look, Steve Spurrier back in the day, you mentioned they didn't tackle as much as some other programs live, and they still had really good defenses. You know, we've seen some defenses in the past at a lot of different programs where they talk constantly about um, practicing tackling and what they're going to do and, and fundamentals and they're not very good tackling. So um, I think it's just about how you teach it and the type of players that you have really. Yeah. And like you said, man, I mean, the the best way to be a good tackling team is to have some like athletic dudes who can stay with people in space because 
that's the other thing. All these offenses are spread out. They're they're way more one on one tackles than there used to be. Yeah. Because you used to play football in a box. You know, it, it used to be all all the running was inside. Uh, the passing game was maybe more vertical, but there you didn't have to defend things. You have to defend every single blade of grass, which is what you have to do now. And you're, you're facing guys out in one-on-one situations and, and tackling kids in space. And a lot of times they are uh, are really quick. Uh, all right, we're about to close it out. Uh, Brandon on Facebook wants to know if there are any updates on Ortray. Do you think he'll be back to his freshman year form? Um, I mean, I've heard positive things, Chris. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. I think he's a guy, you know, we all circle as obviously having ability. He was the top receiver, you know, in the state coming out when he came out. He showed us all, uh, you know, flashes as a freshman. And then, you know, the injuries and, of course, not even really an injury, but the the situation there with his knee that was more of a, I guess, a genetic issue, you would call it. Um, yep. Just hadn't bounced back from, from that as, as quickly as I know he hoped. Um but yeah, there. I mean, there's going to be an opportunity for for Ortray Smith, uh, but I, I don't I don't really know yet. You know exactly what to expect there, if that makes sense. But it, I mean, Chris, I think it's been positive, right? Yeah, and we've heard you know the health is good, the engagement's been good. I mean, we we even reported West back during uh, the bowl game prep for the bowl game that didn't happen that you know he was engaged with the team at that time, attending meetings, all that kind of stuff, and so. Um, there's look. It's a wait and see. We've heard that he's healthy. That he seems the healthiest that he ha- has looked in quite a while. And certainly, you think about that freshman year form. I think he caught what thirty balls, Wes. So they could get that kind of production or close to it out of him. That'd be tremendous. He's obviously a kid with ability. Shane Beamer even mentioned today that he's he's been great. I think he was talking about Ortre Smith and R.J. Roderick in terms of a couple of the opt out guys last year and talked about meeting with them, meeting with their families, and that they've been great so far. So. Um, we'll just have to see again, another guy who just has not produced like some expected, but there there's, it's easy to point to the reasons for him. You had the COVID situation, the opt out year, you had the knee injury that was not injury, but the genetic knee condition where you got to have that major surgery. And that's a tough one to come back from mentally and physically. And so uh, a fresh year for him and, and we've heard some positive things and we'll see where that goes. So he'll be out there for spring. Yeah, no doubt. We'll check it out and uh, appreciate everybody else checking out the show. Uh, we had we had a good group in the chat. We had a lot of uh, activity in the chat. So appreciate you folks joining us that, that joined us live. And of course, even if it's after the fact on the podcast platforms, we appreciate you just as much and appreciate Clint Hammond, who is our primary presenting sponsor here. He is, of course, of the Mortgage Network. Give Clint a shout, clinthammond.com or 803-771-6933. For Chris, I'm Wes, and actually it is Thursday, so we will see you all tomorrow. That'll be Friday's show, previewing baseball. I, I haven't asked Colin yet, but hopefully he'll be able to join us and talk a little bit about this Vanderbilt series as the Gamecocks look to get back on track after winning 11 games, then losing four in a row. They'll look to get back on track with a very tough test this weekend against Vanderbilt. So uh, we'll be here. We hope you will be too, and uh, we'll see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. 
Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York. 